Matthew chapter 1. I love this time of year. Although it comes to us too quickly, it is a time when we really ought to slow down and enjoy uh, a lot of things. But for most of us, that has become an impossible task because for some strange reason, During this season, we fill our calendars with so much stuff. We are so busy. Uh, It becomes one of the busiest times of the year, and sometimes we get tired of it, trying to finish up the year, decorating the house, preparing for parties, buying gifts, all the things that go into this season of the year. But I love it. I wish that we could just slow down a little bit And I do hope that God will help us today. I want to read from a portion of the Christmas story that most of us never go to. Most of us probably do not associate it with the Christmas story. We usually begin in the latter portion of Matthew to read. But the true Christmas story begins with Matthew 1. And it reads like this. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and Jacob beget Judas, and his brethren, and so forth. And for the sake of time, I will not read all of those names because I can't pronounce all of them. And the truth is most of them are names you've never even heard before. Although there are a few that will jump out at you when you read it. But I want to pick up with verse number 16. And it said, And Jacob beget Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. When Joseph, her husband, being a just and devout man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you for the next few weeks, and I will be limited in some of my time next week, but I want to talk to you 
until Christmas about the greatest gifts of this season. The greatest gifts of this season. Everybody has said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I had a restless night last night. I'm back to sleeping in the recliner and there is a a downspout on the back of our house where the rain collects and comes down off the roof and for some reason all night long there was a steady drip, 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 drip except it was about ten times louder than that. And I, I, try, I put my blanket in my ears. I tried everything. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I thought, Oh, God, please don't let me be like that while I'm preaching today. Drip, 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 drip. Amen. Amen. But I love, I love the season of the year. I love what Christmas represents. I know that much of it has been lost in our world and our culture, but we have the privilege of really enjoying the gift of Christmas. And there are many things about Christmas that we all enjoy. I think most of us enjoy presents. We enjoy gifts. What would Christmas be without them? Amen. What would it be without some kind of offering of love that we give to one another? That's what Christmas is all about. Now, I understand that some gifts are surprises and some gifts are not so surprising. And some of us have a hard time buying the right thing and giving the right thing. And there are some things that people receive at Christmas that they're even disappointed with. But I would pray today that something could be said that would help you Take hold of a gift that will continue to give and minister to you, not only this season, but throughout the year. The question that is often heard this time of the year is, are you ready for Christmas? And by that we mean, is the tree up, are the decorations in place, and are the gifts bought, and is the food prepared, and Usually when we're talking about getting ready for Christmas, we are referring to deeds that we need to do in order to prepare for that day. But this morning, I, I want to talk to you more than about your deeds. I want to talk to you about your attitude this season of the year. This is by far the most important part for us as Christians Not the deeds that we do, but the attitude that we maintain and the spirit in which we go about celebrating this season of the year. The question that really needs to be asked is not are you ready for Christmas, but what is your approach to this Christmas season? I would certainly hope that God would infuse my mind and my spirit with something today that would change my attitude if it needs to be changed and it would help lift my spirits if they need to be lift. Most of us are so busy this season 
doing the necessary things that we often miss the needed things. So it was even then, and you know the story, we spend most of our time looking for the perfect gift or the right bargain or the ideal decoration or the last parking lot at the shopping mall, so busy looking for other things that we miss the most important thing. Amen. The most important thing is that He came. Amen. And He came for all of us. I want to talk to you for the next few weeks, and I really felt my inspiration from the writings of Luke when the angels appeared to the shepherds and announced to them that they were not to be afraid because they brought them glad tidings of great joy. I began to think about the great tidings of joy, the glad tidings of great joy, and what the wonderful gifts that Christmas offers to us, the things that we can understand about the incarnation of the Christ child, the the coming of God in flesh. Now, I know that most of us have heard the story of Christmas for 40 or 50 years, and it's hard to get excited about something you've heard so much of. It's hard to get enthused about the three wise men or shepherds or all of the other things that go along with Christmas, the characters, the challenges that were there, the setting of Christmas. We are all so familiar with that, but could we not celebrate the fact that this was the season when God chose to come into the arena of human life? Could we not allow ourselves to understand for a moment that it was in this season that God chose to pitch His tent among us and to walk with us and to be one of us and to be like us? Perhaps if we looked at the details of the Christmas story, it would lift our spirits and we would understand more fully if we could read the fine print and go back and read the story again and let it truly speak to us, perhaps we would hear something we've never heard before. So I would like to indulge your attention for a few moments this morning to a very unusual text for a Christmas message. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. And hopefully I would like to share with you some things about this season that make it so very special. This is still the greatest story that's ever been told. None has ever topped the story of this coming of God in flesh. What came into our world was more than just another child, but it was a Messiah the Savior of the world, the one who would save us from our sins. And oh, how we need that today. Amen. We need somebody that can save us from our sins. Certainly the greatest message of Christmas is the message that he came to save us. And undoubtedly these are the tidings of great joy that the shepherd was mindful of when they heard what the angels were saying. 
It is the most interesting thing of all that the story of Christmas actually begins with a genealogy. Amen. With a genealogy. Most people, when reading the Christmas story, do not begin there, but that's how Matthew begins his story. He begins it with the list of of 46 of the most difficult names to remember and say. Some of them, the only time you will find them mentioned in Scripture is in Matthew 1 where they are brought into the lineage. But they are all telling us something because here is Jesus' family tree. Now, family trees are interesting. Amen. Family trees are intriguing because many of us are curious as to where we came from. And I've noticed that in the advent of technology and the advancement of technology, there has become more and more an interest in our heritage and knowing who we are and where we came from, who were our parents and our parents' parents and our parents' parents' parents. And all the way back, we are interested in knowing what is back there in the background. And most of us want to know, but some of us are afraid to find out because we're afraid of what we might discover if we go looking too far back. You know, you might be kin to Jack the Ripper. Or you might be kin to some no account way back there that was a scoundrel and running from the law. And so, though there's a curiosity in us about our past and about our family tree and our genealogy, there's still a part of us that not all are ready for the surprise that it will present to us. There are things that we don't want to know about the past. There are things that some of us would like to forget about the past. And yet when Jesus' genealogy was written, there was nothing that was left out, even the dirty part. It was all listed. The reason that I believe his story begins with the family tree and a retracing of his genealogy is foremost to show that he's one of us. He may be God, but he is also flesh. He has chosen to dwell among us. You see, your genealogy and my genealogy is a connection to what was behind us, where we came from, what we were made of. It shows how we relate to one another. And Matthew takes his lineage back to Abraham showing that he was of the seed of, the, of, of righteousness and that he was a Jew of the Jew. And so it was important that that be established for the Jews of that hour, that he was part of them. He was fully uh, blooded in, in the, the, the seed of Abraham. And when you read in Luke chapter 3, you will find that Luke doesn't go back to Abraham. Luke goes all the way back to Adam to show that we are all connected to that beginning, that we are all part of the same family, and that that in his coming, that when he came in flesh, he came as one of us. He came as one of us. He was the son of God, but he 
was also the son of Mary. He was fully God, but he was fully man. He was fully God to save us. He was fully man so that he could understand us. He could have come as many things, and he had done that in the past. He had been a shining light. He had been a voice. He had been a cloud and a pillar of fire to his people, but he chose to come as a person. He chose to come as a baby. He knew what it was like to be human like you and I. He knew what it was like to be in the flesh. When somebody asked the question, does God understand me? I would have to direct them to the story of the incarnation because it is there that the greatest picture is painted for anyone that God understands me because he came and became one like me. He understands me. He understands my weaknesses. He knows how to identify with who I am. That's important to me today. Amen. It's one thing to have a Savior, but it's another to have a Savior that knows who you are. Amen. The stable is another great gift of Christmas. There is no place that he will not go. Nothing so messy, so unclean, so smelly. Here is where hope is born in a stable. Here in this undesirable place. That if he would be born there, then surely he would not be afraid to come here where I am. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful message. This stable invites all of us to believe our wildest dreams and hope for the greatest things. No mess will turn him back and no smell will turn him off. However ugly or cluttered my life might be, he is one who has identified with where I am. Maybe your life and mine sometimes resembles the stable. It's crude in its place. It's smelly in other places. It's not glamorous and many times it is not neat. But it's where he chose to come. Amen. One of the greatest gifts of Christmas is that he comes where we live. That's why I rejoice today. That's why when we sing, oh, come, let us adore him. That's why something inside of me jumps up. I want to stand on my feet because when I realize he didn't just do it from a distant lofty heaven, but he came down into an ugly, messy, messed up world and he robed himself in flesh just like mine. And he became one of us. When I talk to him about tough times, he understands. When I talk to him about difficulties, he understands. When I talk to him about betrayal, he understands. When I talk to him about rejection, he understands. When I talk to him about loneliness, he understands. Why? Because he became one like us. He became one of us. So that we would not be afraid to become like Him. Amen. Somebody ought to praise Him right now. Somebody ought to lift their voice and give Him honor today because He came. He came. He came. He came. He came for all of us. Amen. He entered life like us. Not on a stage or on a throne or in clouds, but as a baby. He gets me. Amen. He gets me. 
in all of my weaknesses and all of my shortcomings and all of my failures and all of my troubles and all of the problems that come with me. God gets who I am and I thank Him for that. He knows me because He became like me. Amen. God's not out of touch with my reality. God understands how you and I feel. He knows what we face because His genealogy connects Him to us. Amen. That's why Genesis or, or, or Matthew 1 is so important. It tells us that He became like us. But genealogy doesn't just connect you to something. Genealogy defines something about you. It's the makeup of who you are, your genes, your little quirks and your little idiosyncrasies and the genes that run rampant in your body right now that help create your personality. They all tell something about you, but more than that, they tell something about your past. Amen. Yeah, they talk about not only who we are, but they talk about more than just nationality and race or personality, but they get down into the characteristics and the traits of a family tree. Genes. Everybody say genes. Amen. The makeup of who we are, our DNA, what we inherited from parents, whether we loved them or not, or whether they loved us or not, they passed something on to us that had been passed on to them, that had been passed on to them, that had been passed on to them, that had been... And all the way back to the beginning of time, when, when you go back in that family tree, sometimes it gets really ugly. It gets really messed up. That tree's got a lot of gnarly roots to it. It's got a lot of forked branches to it. Amen. By far the most amazing thing to me about the pedigree that is given to us of Jesus is the mention of the unmentionable. Now, please don't go to sleep on me. I'm trying my best. If I wouldn't strap down, I'd come climb in the pew where you are right now. If you're cold, wrap yourself up in something. If you're hot, I'm burning up right now. So just help me out a little bit. To me, the most important part of the story, and when I began to read it, I just jumped up and down inside. I could... I, I, I got so excited because I had never really looked at what this represented. The names that no one would want associated with their past. The part we would like to keep hidden and covered. He shows it to all of us so that he can identify with us. The part of the family tree that we hope nobody ever finds out. That bad gene, that bad blood, that troublesome nature that came down through generations. And we've heard it, we've said it to one another. You're just like your daddy. You're just like your mama. And somebody pops off, well, I'm just like my mama. You're just like your dog. No, we're not just like our dog. We don't claim kin to that. But we do understand when somebody makes that statement that they're not always complimenting us about who we are. 
Buckle your seatbelt. The interesting thing about, about this, and it's, it doesn't seem to register in our culture, but the interesting thing about this genealogy is that in the normal genealogy of a Jewish man, there was never mention of a woman. Never. A woman's name would not come up because in that time a woman had no legal rights. A woman was regarded not as a person but as a thing. And she was merely the possession of her father or of her husband and in his disposal to do with as he liked. And in the regular form of morning prayer, the Jew thanked God that God had not made him a Gentile or a slave or a woman. The very existence of these names in his pedigree has such a fabulous story that it's almost too good to be true. It's almost too extraordinary and phenomenal to understand. Not just the names, but who they were. And I'm not here to denigrate women. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying when this was written, the norms of the day did not involve a woman in anyone's pedigree. He did not talk about who his mother or his sisters or any of He talked about who his father and who his father's father was. But in Jesus' genealogy, if you were to have read down through the entirety of the 46 names, there would have popped up some names that became red lights and flags and said, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on just a moment. That doesn't belong here. What is that doing in the mix? And yet the reality is that's exactly what he intended to get through to us. You see, the women that he mentioned, it was not just who they were, it was what they did. One of them was a lady by the name of Rahab. Anybody remember Rahab? Anybody know what she was? A what? A harlot? Now, is that like a streetwalker? A harlot. That's what she was. And yet, because of her act of faith and her willingness to help God's people when they came into the promised land, God took this woman whose storied past would make most of us blush if someone were to bring it before us today, God brought this woman and he brought her into his lineage and made her a part of his family tree. The next one that you find is the woman named Ruth. Now, Ruth was not an evil woman. She was just not a Jewish. She was a Moabite. And according to the law, the Moabite was a generation of people that they were to have nothing to do with. This is what Deuteronomy 23 and 3 says about them. It says, No Moabite nor Ammonite shall enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None belonging to them shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. And yet, when God started showing us the background, the family tree began to be shown there is this woman, Ruth, who shows up. Ruth belonged to an alien and hated people. She did not belong to the pure race. 
Then there was a woman by the name of Tamar that is mentioned. Tamar was a deliberate seducer and an adulteress, according to Genesis 38. And then there was Bathsheba. Everybody knows who Bathsheba was. She was the mother of Solomon, but she was the wife of Uriah and became involved in an adulterous affair with King David, seduced by him, and the unforgivable cruelty that David brought upon that family. And yet her name is included in the lineage of his ancestry. Now, I don't think if Matthew had ransacked the pages of all the Old Testament, he could have found more improbable characters than these four to have been a part of the ancestry of Jesus Christ. And yet he did. They were there. And so there's many things that Matthew shows us in this wonderful revelation about the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he came for all of us. Warts, bumps, imperfections, frailties. He came to tear down barriers. Barriers not only between Jews and Gentiles, but man and woman between God and man. He came to remove the barriers in life that would restrict us and keep us locked into some small fragile world. He came to deliver us. And so he included a Moabite woman and he included someone who had ill repute, a woman like Rahab, a a woman of the world, a woman of Jericho. And the truth is there was in Jesus Christ neither Jew nor Greek. There was neither bond nor free. There was just man in need of a Savior. Amen. That's the great gift of Christmas. Here at the beginning of the gospel, we're giving the hint of an unashamed love that God has for all of us. The love of God that reaches far greater than any of us can understand. And so here's the takeaway for this Sunday morning. I want you to take home with you of what Genesis 1 1 through 16 tell you. Number one, they tell you that you can have a questionable past, but God can still use you. Amen. You can have the most colored background. You can have the most soiled past, but your past does not determine your future with Him. That whatever has been doesn't have to still be. That's the great revelation of Matthew 1 is that he was not ashamed to show us that back there were things that many people would hide from and many people would cover up. But he was saying to all of us that no matter what your past is, God has a future for you. No matter. He was born not because of his ancestry, but in spite of his ancestry. In spite of scandal, he came and in spite of all of those things that we would like to forget and ignore, he still came. I still fit in his plan. As frail as I might be, as soiled and as imperfect and as dirty as I might be, I still fit in to his plan. 
Amen. Thank you, God, for that wonderful gift of love that is so encompassing that no matter what my failures have been and no matter how ugly it has been, that today is a day of opportunity for me. Today is an opportunity of change. Jesus not only is one who can change the past and make your future bright, but he is not afraid of the messy things in life either. He's not afraid to identify with messed up lives. That's a great thing to know. Amen. Amen. He's not afraid to, to identify with messed up lives. You know, that's what gets some people. They, they feel like they're just so messed up. You know, I'm so warped. I'm, I'm, my mind is so confused. I don't even know what I believe anymore. And the truth of Matthew 1 is that he is not afraid to get involved in messy stuff. Amen. No matter how messed up it may be, he is not afraid to get involved with imperfect people. Isn't that, that ought to be a relief to some of us. If it's not to you, it was to me. That he's not afraid to get involved with imperfect people. That try as I might, I cannot measure up all the time. But because I cannot measure up does not mean he will not give me what I need to line up. Amen. Come on, lift your voice and thank him for that. Amen. He came for everyone. He loves everyone. He desires that all of us understand that. That chaos cannot keep him out of my world. No matter how messed up it is. Amen. No matter how messed up I am. Amen. Your past does not have to determine your future. Amen. That's what this story tells me. Is that my past does not have to determine where I'm going to go. And what I'm going to become. The Christmas, in, the, the, the Christmas story invites all of us to believe that the best is yet possible for any of us. That Bethlehem was just the beginning. That he did not stay a baby. He grew in the manhood. He lived. He suffered. He died. He rose again. And he is coming again. And he did it all. So he could get a crystal clear message through to me. That my past does not determine my future. No matter how deep the genes run, he can outrun the genes. Amen. No matter how deep the genes run, he can deliver you. He can change you. He can transform you. He can give you the privilege of starting over again. Hallelujah. He can give you the strength to get up and go on. He can give you the power to raise your hands and lift your voice. Amen. God bless you. Stand with me right now. No matter how deep the genes run, he does not have to be defined by what you were or where you came from. Your life can be defined by something greater than all of that. Your past does not have to define who you are or what you're going to become. It doesn't have to limit you. That past that haunts you and troubles you and mocks you and pulls you backwards and and holds you down that gene that keeps popping up and telling you you'll never be anything more than that. When life tells you you'll never be anything but a... Jesus says, oh no, not 
not anymore, not anymore. Amen. You're just like your daddy, not anymore, not anymore. It's in your genes. You'll never break free from it. That's what the world tells us, that you can't outrun your bloodline. But the story of Christmas tells us otherwise. Amen. Your history, listen to me, your history is not as important as his story about you and about me. And the reason that he came is because he thought I was worth saving. <laughs> Man. Folks, that's good news to me. That's good news to me. No matter what my past or my failures may have been, my future can be filled with hope because he came. And he laid it all out before me to see that there's no perfect past, but you can have a blessed and perfect future. I don't know why God would lead me to this today, but I feel like there's some folks in this building today that are struggling with an identity crisis. You can't seem to get away from who you are. And by that I mean who you are have become through your family tree and through all of the bloodline that's been passed down to you. There are just some weaknesses that keep showing up, some failures that keep cropping up in your life. There's some attitudes that you just can't seem to shake free from, but you hear me today. If there's anything that this story tells me today is that I was worth saving. And that's why he came. With all of my failures and with all of my weaknesses and all of my troubles and all of my messed up life, none of that could stop him. None of it would stop him. The dirtiness, the smelliness, the stench, he just walks right into the middle of it. He embraces all of it. Why don't you lift your hands to him right now and just begin to thank him for that. Amen.